You're listening to Ink Studs, and my guest this week is Oliver East, 
Um, Oliver is actually someone who I really wanted to see when I was in the UK recently after um, the convention at Leeds Thought Bubble where I spent a couple of weeks in the UK uh, talking to cartoonists and seeing the scene there uh, but somehow we weren't able to connect um, but that's okay because now we're connecting here and I'm really happy that Oliver has taken the time to join me today uh, his latest work is the uh, Homesick series um, that he's been doing for now correct me if I'm wrong it's f commissioned f by the Lakes Comic Festival that's correct yeah yeah but I self-published the series myself but they um, they commissioned the series yeah mm -hmm. it's kind of a, a patron type relationship kind of yeah yeah they've, they've done it with a with a lot of um, with a lot of artists um, alongside the Arts Council in England which is um, a funding body set up to fund the arts. Um, they they commissioned me and a, and a number of other artists to produce work for their um, uh, comics festival this year, just gone, and recommissioned me again for, for next year as well. So they're doing something quite exciting in that they're putting um, a considerable amount of money where the where 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 the mouth is and uh, paying cartoonists enough so they don't have to uh, work in bars and in retail and they can just spend their time making comics and um, seeing what happens from that it's been good and it's been really good did you partake in the 24-hour comics thing they did this year this year no I've done it once and I swore I'd never do it again <laughs> Um, it, it, it doesn't make much sense f to me looking at your work that you would ever do a 24-hour comic well I, I could do it because I, I do work quite fast mm -hmm. I'm, I'm no matter how long I spend on a drawing I'm never going to be an accomplished draftsman so I just I made my piece with that a long time ago and I just work quite fast and that's just how I like to work so in theory I could do it in practice I need my sleep <laughs> so the one time I've done it, well, the one time I've done it was at a, uh, a comic convention called Comicette, which is in London, <laughs> and I nailed twenty-four pages in about twelve hours, and then just slept for the the other twelve hours. Because <laughs> comics aren't that important, man. I need my sleep. <laughs> The, the comic don't get me wrong it was a good comic in the end I was pleased with it and I do work fast with the books I do normally the comics I do normally I do a, a page or two in a day so it's 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 not beyond the realms that I could do 24 in a day but um no I need my sleep man I've got kids there's uh, what I think of your work it it just seems um so experiential that to like just like pound it out in like a 24 hour process if you like you'd have to like prep to have that experience for <laughs> the 24-hour comic. No, there's no prep involved in my comics, man. I make it up as I go along, completely. Um, I work from written notes, but uh, every page is is pretty much... Um, um, I never I never sketch anything out. Okay. And there's, I, there, there's no... There's no thumbnailing, as lots of people do, I guess. Um, it. 
I take a lot of written notes, and that and and combined with a porous memory, that's what I use to draw from. But I never really know what I'm going to draw at the start of the day. But I'm, but I I I have a drawing at the end of the day, and that's usually a page. And then I'll do the same again the next day, and then about two hundred days later, I've got a book out of it. Now, tell me a bit about your kind of background to getting into comics, because um, your work feels very different to me than a lot of other stuff. Um, so I'm kind of curious what your original interests were in comics and kind of what that background was. Well, um, I started doing co comics out of um, necessity, really, out of wanting to get my work out there. I didn't, I didn't, I'm 36 now. Um, I didn't start drawing in anger t till I was 26. Um, I studied art at university. Um, I studied a course called Interactive Arts, which was um, a contemporary fine art course. On our very first day, they said, you can do whatever you like, just don't get arrested. And then they just left us for three years just to um, um, figure out what we wanted to do. And, and on that course, I did loads of things. I did sculpture, I did photography. I fell into photography. I started to make my own cameras. I, um, and I eventually um, settled on pinhole photography. And after I left university, I carried on making art, but I still wasn't drawing. Um, and the, the starting point for me making comics came from a... An exhibition I tried to do, which failed spectacularly. I, I tried to turn a two um, a two man tent into a pinhole camera, which I, I would then take to a caravan site to take pictures of caravans. Mm -hmm. And then I would have this exhibition where the tent would be in the middle of the gallery, and there'd be pictures of caravans around it. But it didn't work, and it was two days before the exhibition. And I had no photographs, and I had this tent which didn't work. So I decided to write about my experiences of trying to get this crap camera to work. And I already knew I could turn a phrase. I could write a snappy paragraph. I could I could be funny in writing. So the exhibition actually worked out better without the photographs. It was just a lot of snappy dialogue, um, skits written on the wall, and it and it worked. The next ex. The next exhibition I had after that, um, I decided to um, read Dr. Doolittle to a herd of cows near my house twice a week over the course of a year. So I had some kind of comment on my speech impediment, I don't know, I was just, I was just trying to f fill some time. But um, again, that was an exhibition where it was some video and then it was writing on the walls about my experiences. But I didn't want to have to wait for another gallery to come up for me to write again and do something so the natural progression seemed to be I could do some drawings with my writings and then put them in a book mm -hmm. I didn't really know much about comics at the time I did read comics a lot as a kid until I got caught shoplifting them and then um, I remember I remember the comic I got caught shoplifting was and it, it was just the worst it was a predator tie-in oh geez yeah well, Shame. I, it gets worse because I paid for a I paid for a Terminator tie-in and then gone back and robbed a Predator tie-in and got caught and that was the end of my comic reading days then. Um, but but anyway, I I self-published these three black and white mini comics. I didn't know they were comics at the time. They, they were just books with words and pictures in. 
and I gave them out to my friends in in the bar that I was working. I get um I gave them over the bar f- for free to bar flies. And one of these bar flies um reviewed comics for a local magazine and he said this is a comic and I was like right okay if you say so and he, he introduced me to Jeffrey Brown he introduced me to now pardon my pronunciation but that Italian guy is it Gippy or Gippy oh, or Gippy yeah that's the he introduced me to him and Jeffrey Brown and Chris Ware and I said all oh, right okay so I guess I have made a comic and and um it felt like something at the time that, that I could get my teeth into and somewhere along the line potentially be good at, so I stuck at it. So what was the first um, kind of book collection or work that came out after you kind of realized or were informed that you were making comics? Well, um, people made nice noises about these black and white minis that I'd made. and, I, and Being an only child, I got delusions of grandeur and added colour and started charging money for them and, um, so, and that's when I started doing this series called Trains of Mint okay. which was um, I self-published I, I self-published it was going to be a series of three well it was a series of three and when the, when I self-published the second one um a man called Kenny Penman, who works for Forbidden Planet International, got in touch, and he said he really liked them, and he was he was setting up a publishing company called Blank Slate Books, and he wanted um, a collected Trains of Mint to be their first um, release. Mm-hmm. So, so then, before that came out, I quickly self-published Trains of Mint um, three, and then Blank Slate collected those three. As trains of mint, like and like it, it, it in a nice hardback, and so that yeah, so that was my first, um, that was my first, that was my first proper published effort, and then I assumed naturally big bags of money would follow, and it's been that was what it was two thousand and eight, what, what we have six years later, yeah, I'm still waiting. <laughs> um. Now, the the most interesting thing about your work is, to me at least, um, is the kind of the non-traditional story sense, where I was saying earlier, like, it's very experiential, um, and a lot of it is just you, kind of, your thoughts while walking, and I'm kind of wondering the background on that. Well, um, I had a quite sizable chip on my shoulder when I started out drawing that I did start drawing quite late at 26 whereas most people most of my new at that point newly found peers in comics had been drawing since they were children and had honed styles and stuff Um, so I, I, I I made a decision quite early on that the first drawing I did would be the first drawing that you saw. So, because no matter how long I spent in my studio, a drawing was only going to be so good. So, um, with trains and mint, and with the writing as well, with trains and mint, and pr- pretty much up to the homesick truant as well. Most of the pages you see are the first attempts at that page. I don't, I don't, like, I don't redo stuff. It was a conscious decision to, I wanted whatever audience I could get 
I wanted them to see me grow as a um, as a draftsman mm-hmm. through each mm-hmm. book and then through subsequent books. Like so, say for example, I did a book called Berlin and that, and I think that's around about 150 pages. And I think of those 150 pages, I redid about three. So there's like 147 first attempts in that book. Um, um, so it, it it was a conscious dis- decision to um, grow in front of my audience. I'm not sure if I've answered your question at all. I Sorry. was <laughs> that's okay. No, it's still interesting stuff. Um, I was wondering more about the uh, that whole like the walking and the exploring part of that. Like, had he always been? Oh right, no, well, yeah, and maybe kind of give folks a context that wouldn't be necessarily familiar with your work. Well, that. I'm dyslexic quite badly dyslexia I find reading and writing quite difficult um I can read like I get like like get like anybody else but I can read for about 10 minutes and then things start to spin out and whatever I've read uh, as um it, it you know um, it I find it difficult to hold information mm-hmm. um but I still have a desire to learn I still have a desire to gain knowledge um, you know I, I still have a thirst for knowledge it's just it's frustrating that I can't do it the traditional way with, with book smarts so um, in a completely um, unscientific uh, t- t- 10 year experiment I've been walking everywhere just to try to gain some kind of education on something mm-hmm. um, so um, it's kind of a, a, um, the walks I do are, have arbitrarily imposed restrictions on them. So, say for example, the first the, fir- the first three books I did were along train lines. So I'd walk from one town to a, to another, following the train line as closely as I could without trespassing. So the decision of where I go is taken out of my hands. Um, the only decision I have to make is how close, which side of the tracks is the closest to the train. Um, and so I, I, I guess it's a way of teaching myself about my environment and the landscape and things I see along the way without having um, to read much at all. Mm-hmm. It's I'm trying to form um, a very personal um uh, type of education and gaining of knowledge, I guess, and it's something I, I've not tired of yet because I've been I've been doing these walks and these books now for next year will be my tenth year of of walking comics, and I'm still learning. So, you know, now, I'm not tired. Was that something you were doing before uh, you were doing comics as well? Walking, yeah, like that kind yeah. of exploratory yeah, walking. Well, <coughs> Pardon me. Um, I didn't discover my dyslexia till I was twenty-one at university. So I went through, I went through the regular education system, um, failing at every hurdle. Um, I always wanted to be an archaeologist, but I kept failing the exam. So I fell into art school. Um, so, um, but before I started doing comics I was writing um, I, I and I was walking and I was creating books about them mm-hmm. I did um, 
the 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 last book I did before I started drawing was uh, there's a law in Norway that says you can camp exactly 150 meters away from people's houses for free for two nights. So I went over to Norway for 28 nights to try to camp exactly 150 meters away from people's houses. Um, and it was great. I mean, I didn't get exactly 150 meters. I got closer and I got further away. But for, for, but for 28 nights in one of the most expensive countries in the world, I didn't spend a penny on accommodation. Mm-hmm. I lost my mind and spent 400 quid on a tattoo, which covers like hot the whole of my right leg. But apart from that, I didn't spend a penny on accommodation. But um, yeah, so yeah, to answer your question, um, I've forgotten what your question was. <laughs> well, I was just talking a bit about the background of the walking. Um, now, I just did my first time in England, and um, it was good to see you. It was it was really great. I remember, and I really liked, um, you know, the the festivals was fascinating, great. Uh, but I also took a week after that to travel around. Uh, me and my, oh, right. my lady drove from uh, London up to Glencoe and various oh, wow. places. Yeah, um, which which sounds extreme for for people in the UK. Uh, we drove for eight hours. For people in North America, that's <laughs> <laughs> no, not yeah. yeah. I mean, I yeah, no, it's this. Um, but kind of part of that, it, it, I think, helped me kind of grasp something in your work is is that regionality there of just how everything um, is close but far apart, and and it really um, struck me with your work, um, just how these different areas. Um, and how there's so much you could explore in such a small place. Well, we are a, like it, it. It's really small over here compared to over there. It's, you know, we're we're a tiny island, but the town I'm from, Manchester. I mean, it's a it's uh, what it's England's second biggest city after London, I guess. But you can walk, you can walk for ten minutes in any direction and you get a completely different Mancunian accent you, you get different you, you get different accents in tiny towns um, and then subsequently you get the, the next town over you, you get people that you, you can't even understand mm-hmm. and it's like 20 miles away <laughs> and it's ridiculous um, you know. no it, it's, it's really interesting just how um, and I'm wondering about your own things you've noticed um, going through these these different places and exploring um, further and further. Um, just kind of how you understand your own regionality. Well, it was um, the 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 first trains I mean, I walked from I walked from a train station in Manchester to um, a seaside town, a popular coastal resort called Blackpool uh, but it was in homage to um, a trip my mother had taken as a teenager um, when she was 15 unlike most of her friends growing up in Manchester as a teenager she wasn't too into drugs or anything and she was just bored one day so her and a friend walked to Blackpool which took 27 hours in one go and then they got the train back and slept for two days um, and so I, I just wanted to. Ex- I've lived in I've lived in Manchester all my life, but there's lots of the region that I'd never seen before. So I used this as as an excuse to explore. I, I've I've been to Japan and 
China and Thailand. I've been all over Asia. I've been to Mexico and Canada and America. And there's still parts of the northwest of England that I've never seen before. And I, I just want to see everything. So um, uh, it's it was it was just a kind of case of write and draw about what you know or what or what's near you. Because I've always been um, I've always been a huge fan of Americana. I like I adore. American landscapes, American films, Paris, Texas is on once or twice a week in my house. <laughs> and um, but I like to I like to think that somewhere over there, over your way, is some kid who's obsessed with um, is obsessed with the northwest of England and like cotton mills and industrial estates and football grounds and ginnels and stuff and he sees the stuff I'm drawing and thinks it's worthwhile as I see like westerns you know mm -hmm. same, you know it's the same kind of deal with with this thing that I just did with the lakes festival <coughs> pardon me it was the longest walk I'd ever done it was like up till up to now anyway it was 140 miles across 10 days pretty much along the coast of of the very far northwest of England called Cumbria mm -hmm. and it was the middle of the winter and it was the middle of like some really harsh storms and floods and there were periods where I feared for my life and I, and I was in tears for part of the walk because it was just horrific and I was going to be swept into the sea and it was it was made for great copy it was brilliant and it was just otherworldly landscapes and it's these otherworldly landscapes that no one else is writing about and no one else is drawing about at the moment um, so in in the same way that I love to read about Canada and America, I, 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 I kind of hope I'm making a little um, dint into someone's psyche about reading about North West England. Really, someone's got to. Mm -hmm. Well, it's it's a, like I didn't get to spend enough time there, but it was really interesting just seeing what it's like and just seeing how these areas Great. are very different. Um, we stopped in. I can't remember the town, but we went where like Long Meg and her daughters are. Where? Long Meg and her daughters and some standing stones. Mm, just just before Scotland. And, um, I um, bet it was overcast. Actually, it was pretty nice. All right, I'm okay. pretty lucky that day. Well. And uh, Arthur's table is there. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, um, a lot of sheep. Well, I'm going to be walking from Scotland to England for a new book next year. Um, it's completely uh, is it? It will be my longest walk to to date, and it's probably a really bad idea and probably undoable. But I'm going to give it a go anyway. I'm going to walk from Edinburgh to Manchester, which is 200 miles, but it's to recreate a, someone else who did that walk in 1872, and they did it in 10 days. So it's 20 miles a day. I don't, I don't think you use miles over there, do you? So I don't know what that is in kilometers, but it's, it's a lot. pretty far. <laughs> yeah, it's about it's about eight hours walking a day straight for 10 days. So I have to start training for that, actually, on Sunday. Wow. <laughs> from the walks in April. <laughs> so do you do, do you have, like, specific things you do that you need, like you know, special food you bring with you just to keep yourself going. No, I don't plan anything. I'm really, no, <laughs> no, 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 I just, no, I just, if, I know, no, I can't, 
No, I just well, it, it it makes for good copy for the books anyway. That I can't read a map that well, and I often go unprepared, and I often get swept off into levies and stuff. No, if you plan, then it, it goes t- too well. If you don't plan, then it creates conflict, and conflict creates good copy, and copy hopefully sells good comics. So no, I'd rather put myself in danger than plan. <laughs> I just meant for physicalness. <laughs> oh well, well, well that well, this book I'm doing, well, I, I, like I'm starting it now already. I, I'm doing the research for it because it it's and it's a historical piece. Uh, it's based on, <coughs> pardon me, um, in 1872. Well, up till up till the 1950s, there was a zoo in Manchester, but in 1872, the owner of the the zoo zoological gardens um, went to a wild animal auction in Edinburgh in Scotland to buy a lot of animals for his um, for his collection and the plan was to get all the animals on the train from Edinburgh to Manchester but when they tried to get the elephant onto the train it panicked and smashed up its carriage so the elephant so the animal trainer that the um, the, the the owner had brought up with him offered to walk the elephant back from Edinburgh to Manchester, which he did in ten days. Um, he actually slowed up towards the end to time his arrival at the local national newspaper. Um, but there's a theory which is quite a strong one in that the elephant they bought was already part of a travelling circus and it was well used to being in car- carriages. Mm-hmm. And the animal trainer, once he got the elephant into the carriage, that was that particular gig over for him. So the theory is that the elephant trainer gave the elephant a signal or tricked the elephant into panicking, so he got an extra 10 days' work out of the owner. The animal trainer himself, from the research I've done so far, was also a bit of a cad. He was a bit of a womanizer. He was he was a bit of a character who's called Lorenzo Lawrence. So um, you've got an elephant walking 200 miles from Scotland to Manchester with this trainer. It's gonna I can imagine it's going to be a kind of road road movie comic buddy thing um, set in Victorian Britain. Um, um, and it's being part commissioned by the local natural history museum in Manchester, who actually have the elephant's skeleton on display, um, and have done for for many years. This story of the elephant walking to Manchester is kind of in most Mancunians psyches memory somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and as well as the book. Uh, the skeleton sits in in a room in the museum, surrounded by some glass cabinets, and I will also have an exhibition of large comic art surrounding the um, the elephant as well. Now, this um, this project um, is there anything particular for you um, that you want to kind of get out of the the traveling process from the research process? Well, this. Um, the I like I walk f- for all my books like all the books are um, based on walks that I've done and the only different the only thing 
which is kind of a big deal um, for me for these walks for this one in particular is that I will be drawing along the way so for every other book I've done up till now from Trains of Mint to the Homesick Truant I don't take any sketches along the way I don't take any photographs it's all from written notes and it's all from memory mm-hmm. but um, I've um, I've been doing that now for nearly 10 years so I thought that the 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 working title well um I've told the project manager that it's a working title but it's pretty set in stone I've just kind of gave the impression that I'm flexible on it but the the title for it is take me back to manchester um but if anyone else asks it's a working title and I I am open to other suggestions but when in fact I'm not that is <laughs> um so Take Me Back to Manchester will be the first um, walk where I will actually take sketches along the way because um, outside of the cities and the s- suburbia, the landscapes won't have changed much mm-hmm. um, in like 100 years. Trees will, will, will have got ta- taller or will have been felled, but apart from that, mountains don't shift that much in 100 years. So. Uh, for the rural parts of the walk, which will be the bulk of the walk, um, I'll sketch as often and um, as thoroughly as I can along the way, which will be a first for me, really. So I'm looking forward to doing that. Um, yeah, it'll be good, man. Is that going to make it okay to be able to do the uh, the 10 days? Or 10 days, can... it's going to be a push. I, I, like, I've, I've had to... Uh, I've recently... Um, recently got divorced in September and subsequently started dating again um, and I dated recently briefly ever so uh, tactfully more than one person but I had to knock that on the head because it was getting in the way of my walking time so I because in my training for my walk mm-hmm. I'd much rather go walking as training than date which um sees my comics don't sell well enough for me to actually like make life choices based on that but i'm willing to give it a go anyway <laughs> so i'm training because uh, it's 10 straight days when like when i was at tcaf i was at tcaf um a year before last mm-hmm. uh, and i was only i was there for I got there on the Wednesday and I was flying out on the Tuesday. No, yeah, got 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 there on the Wednesday. And I was flying out on, on the Tuesday. And I had a vague plan. I was going to walk. Well, not a vague plan. I was going to walk from Toronto to Niagara Falls. Oh wow! And and attend Teak at the same time. Yeah, that's like, not happening. <laughs> no, not at all. It totally didn't happen because it's like I didn't plan it. I didn't allow for any days off. So got there on the Wednesday. Um and settled in first thing obviously i was jet lagged thursday morning so i was up at like three or four in the morning so i thought brilliant early start get cracking walk down to the shore and then started circumnavigating the lake walked for eight hours got the train back fine did the same thing again the next day got the train back from where i left off i can't remember where it was and um did another eight or nine hours but but it was all in sandals as well i hadn't prepared at all i'd taken the wrong shoes i assumed it would be quite warm 
from Toronto in May with sandals. And I think I wrote uh, after the second day of eight or nine hours walking in sandals around Lake Ontario, I got back to Toronto and I had the gait of an elderly gentleman with rickets who'd recently soiled himself. I just couldn't move. Yeah. I just couldn't walk at all. So that's why I think this will be the first walk that I have to do some training for. But if it goes badly, then still it makes good copy. So either way, I win. <laughs> I like that. It's all about the work. Yeah, totally, man. It. I mean, it's. I could imagine um, that like Ontario doesn't really lend itself to that kind of walk as easily as. Um, um, it's different out there, man. You've got a different. There's lots of money around that lake. Yeah. There's. I've seen like there's every house is like the Fresh Prince of Bel Air with like the Cosby's house as an extension. It's just ridiculous. But they but you've got a beautiful like there's a beautiful kind of mix of like Cosby houses and Fresh Prince houses next to like King of Queens houses and like shacks and stuff and there's like a real mix of styles and just mix of money and it it, it you know, it's it's a beautiful part of the world in its own way. It's different from anything over here. Mm -hmm. I know um, Dave Collier, the cartoonist, used to kayak from I think from Hamilton to Toronto. Right. Which a lot of people were very shocked because that's quite a way. Yeah. No, I didn't. I I didn't get as far as Hamilton. I can't remember how far I got, but I didn't get that far. But I'm coming back over again next year, so hopefully. No, I'm not. No, no, I'm not going <laughs> to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to enjoy TCAF this time. I'm not doing any walking. Wasn't it also your birthday that weekend yeah, or man. something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was, um, well, this this time my birthday is the day after I get back. But last time, not this year, it was the year before, I was tabling next to, I can't, I'm going to get a name wrong now, is it Jackie Cohen from Jack Cohen, Fanny yeah. Graphic? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was her and I forget the other lady with the pink hair. Jen, fine. Yeah, they were just like the sweetest, like all weekend. They were so nice. And I was tabling next to them. Uh, kind of the, the kind of polar opposite of that on the other side was Dan Nadal, who gave me shit all weekend. <laughs> just, didn't, just didn't give me nothing. It's like a fucking brick wall, man. Well, uh, you're probably <laughs> in a fine company there. <laughs> kind of like your books do, and uh, it's like, yeah, whatever. It's like, all oh, right, so I'm going to talk to these girls over here then all weekend. But they were lovely, and when they found out it was my birthday, they were just dead sweet. So, yeah, I, you know, um, I, I stayed in student halls to save some money, but um, which was pretty shitty digs. But apart from that, yeah, I, I do like tea, tea guys, man. It's good. Now, I want to talk about the Berlin book. Um, one of the things I found really interesting is, um, I don't know if this is like a kind of a visual compensation, is um, your way of um, portraying people. Right. And maybe this is in your other work too, where it's just kind of more simplistic, like symbols yeah. of people than necessarily needing to draw this person, but like, you know, the construction guys, which is just like a helmet and a jacket. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm really fascinated yeah, well, by that kind of that boiling things down. Well, it, it, it all, um, it's just all part of me not being able to draw. Mm. <laughs> I, 
like early on and being more interested in the world around the people the landscapes and the buildings which is what I was focusing on and if I had to draw pe people it was it was annoying and so um, I for there was a book that came out a while so some years ago called Cartoon Modern which was about like 50s and 40s um, animation and uh, I just I just I just ripped that off because I wanted to draw people as simply as I could get away with because it was more because I just was more interested in the world around them than than, than the people mm -hmm. I've, I've gotten over that a lot in subsequent works but yeah around that time like but there was a there was a two or three year uh, block of work which included like prop uh, Berlin and that, and the book that came before that was called Proper Go Well High, where I just simplify any figure as much as possible that I could possibly get away with. Um, uh, yeah, I didn't enjoy drawing people at that point, but that's that 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 that's um, past now. Yes. Um, another thing that was really interesting in the Berlin book was um, when you're going through the forest. And you drew like these ghosts of people. Oh yeah. And I, I'm really interested in that uh, that part. If you can kind of elaborate on it further. I can't picture it now. Um, I think there were specific people. You know, I think there was. I've not got it in front of me now, and I'm not. I I I I don't read my own work that often, so I can't <laughs> picture. But I think at the time there was. Well, and I know for a fact there are definitely a couple of people who were on the UK comic scene at the time who I considered to be less than um, pleasant. Some might call them wankers, um, and I included I included them in less than favourable positions in the book, in a kind of symbolic way. But other than that, they were kind of. Um, I there was references to my um how can I put this now <laughs> I like your delicateness of yeah no it's like I um uh it's I'd rather not say because it's kind of tricky because I'm yeah, no, I'd rather not say about Survivor Man. Because um, my folks might listen to this. <laughs> hi, Mom, hi, Dad. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the um, the context of uh, walking through Germany and the kind of differences you're observing from uh, your UK experience. Um, well, well um, I was invited over to uh, some um, an artist friend of mine had set up a set up an apartment in Kreuzberg in Berlin for Manchester artists to go over and use as they please for um, any period during a month. So she invited me over, and I went over for five days. Um, because that's what I could afford, so that was the basis of the walk. And I had five—no, I had—I had a week where I walked 
for five of those seven days. And so I just arbitrarily picked somewhere that I could walk to within five days. And from Berlin, I figured I could walk to the Polish border in five days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, um, from Berlin's Alexanderplatz, um, I walked following the train line as closely as possible to a town called Frankfurt Oder. And um, there's, it's a beautiful part of the world. There's lots of forests and I saw, I, I saw the back end of a wolf, which I, you don't get in, in Manchester that much. Um, uh, um, I got lost a lot because I can't read a map. Um, but it makes for uh, good copy. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but with the Berlin book, um, I'm not sure if you've ever been to that, but I mean, it's probably the same as um, a lot of cities around the world in that Berlin has a very vibrant street art, graffiti, stickering, flyer, fly paper, like a flyering culture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I knew if I drew all that in my own hand, it wouldn't look... Um, it wouldn't look authentic enough for me anyway. So I drew the book out as I normally would without any without any graffiti included, without any sticker art, without any fly posters, without any, like, like every, every building I drew, every overpass, underpass, whatever, it was all just clean and dry with nothing on it. And then I gave all these pages to friends of mine, but whether they were artists or not, um, I think there was like 52 people in all in the end. And I asked them to add the graffiti for me. So, I mean, being an artist, most of my mates are artists as well. So I got a lot of artists to, to make some fantastic work. But also at the time I was working in a bar, so I got loads of bar flies to just <laughs> scribble, like scribble on it and just add like big cocks and shit. And, <laughs> and um, just because it made it more authentic because it wasn't in my hands so it just made it look more like it had been done by somebody else which it had been so like it's like 100 and, 150 pages of this book and 50 odd pages had art by 50 odd other people in it so I think it gave it more an authentic look it worked quite well now your other book um, the one that you were in TCAF for uh, Swear Down. Swear Down. That seems like your most kind of personal revealing book. Um, yeah, that was um, tricky to do. It was... Um, uh, my son was born five years ago and he was born two months early. He was alright, pretty much. But my... Um, his mum uh, nearly died, well, almost died in front of me in childbirth which was quite tricky to deal with and um, like any other parent she'd bought like these the, this this scrapbook that you put like first footprint first hair first fucking pube or whatever in it and um, there's a bit in it where you're supposed to write your that there was like a, a few lines where you're supposed to write a par- paragraph on your great experience of your kid's birth and six months down the line I still hadn't written anything because I couldn't deal with the fact that my wife had nearly died and stuff because it was quite tricky so in in as an exercise in avoidance I decided to um, write a new comic book called Swear Down in which I would walk 
I live in a part of Manchester called Old Trafford. And if you follow the line of longitude out my front door, it cuts through England, obviously, and then Brittany in France before Spain, and then Morocco, Algeria, Mali, Burkina Faso, and Ghana in Africa. <coughs> I never intended to do the whole thing, but it was just a way of walking away from my house mm -hmm. for as long as possible and avoiding dealing with this, with this, um, with with these emotions. Um, and it started off as just another train to mint, but you know, uh, you know another walk um, to write about but then uh, m my ex-wife Hunter's mum and Hunter came along for part of the book and then it just became like part of the book is me and Claire kind of talking about her near death and how we dealt with it and, how, and what happened and stuff because she didn't remember anything about it and I saw everything so that was like we had different experiences and um, so rather than just dealing with writing a really short pa paragraph in a cheesy as fuck scrapbook, mm -hmm. I dragged the process out over a year's worth of graphic novel um, instead. So it dragged, it dragged the pain out every day for about a whole year. So it was it was the worst way of avoiding it because it just dragged you out. But it it works in the end. I think it's a pretty decent book. It sounds so like nice. kind of an opposite of catharsis. Yeah, no, no, no. It's the worst idea I've ever had. <laughs> it just dragged it out because I was working on that book every day for like ten months, eleven months, just and, writing, writing, drawing about this near death and pools of blood and dying children and uh, instead of just writing a paragraph and getting over it <laughs> but you know didn't even sell that well but i'm quite proud of it mm -hmm. no it's it's really quite a beautiful book and also you um do some different stuff that you hadn't done before uh with the painting in it uh well, i change it back all the time and i this is what i can't understand with most cartoon is how you can draw the same way through a whole book so i just get bored as like if You've 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 obviously read um, a lot of my work this week be mm -hmm. before this chat, and maybe you've never like the books start in one. The books never end. Looking how they started, because I'm still figuring out how to draw, and once I figure out a method that works. I'll just start doing something else instead and figure something else out. And that's that's more explicit in Swear Down, I think, than any of the other books, in that the drawing style just hops about all over the place. There's like there's sculpture in there, there's bits of laminate and there's painting and there's crayons and there's and um I never know how a page is gonna look at the start of the day because I don't thumbnail stuff out, so I, it's just it's just an um a constant process in learning how to draw in different ways it's not conducive to good sales or being included in end of year lists but um, you know they look alright <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, it, it definitely works as a benefit to the kind of the vision you're trying to put forward thanks man um, 
I know you've been doing stuff for Comics Workbook, um, Frankie Santoro's thing. Um, yeah, man. And uh, have you found, because there's some commonalities between you and uh, Warren Craig had, um, has that kind of been beneficial for you with your own, kind of how you're picturing your work? Well, um, I remember seeing Warren's stuff. The first time I saw it, I was astounded. I was like, this is comics? All right. <laughs> I'm nicking it. <laughs> This is this is brilliant. If this is allowed to be comics, then then who knows what's allowed to be comics? And then it was just brilliant. It was amazing. And now I consider him, you know, a few years down down the line, I I I, I consider him a friend, even though we've never met in in person, which is one of the beautiful things about the comics community. Um, but um, he's yeah, he's a massive inspiration, man. He's like his pro his productivity is second. Turn on. He draws while driving for crying out loud. Oh Jesus! <laughs> yeah, well, like, I mean, you know, I worry for his safety, but I want him to carry on because he's, you know, he's ace. But with, with comics workbook, it's um, I mean, I'm a compulsive sharer, man. I'm, I'm it's, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to pull the thread of why I post stuff online so much too, because it's pretty. <laughs> pretty obvious but it's just kind of I like to draw quickly and share it quickly before I have a chance to change my mind Mm -hmm. because I like to leave a drawing as quickly as possible I like to do it it's done and then share it before I have a chance to think if it has worth or not because I think um, there's probably some worth in it somewhere whether it's perfect or not it doesn't matter but someone will find something in it that's worthwhile. So uh, Comics Workbook is just like a really um, um, a, 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 a kind of handy outlet for that. Mm-hmm. And Frank's really um, k- kindly just kind of lets me put whatever I want up there. And um, saying that, though, Comics Workbook's got like 15,000 followers now, maybe almost close to 20,000, and I get like, 12 likes for every drawing so I don't know how it works for me <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea there was that many people following it yeah man it's, it's a big deal man I mean, I mean it's got some quality artists on there I mean Aiden Cock, Warren Craghead uh, Andrew White there's, there's, and there's loads of there's, like with Frank's um, education course he does Mm-hmm. He's finding new people all the time, and they're joining. And there's like, there's the the kids are coming up. You know, it's like I'm losing my edge. Like, you know, the, like there's yeah, he's doing a good thing, man. The the Frankie Santoro school of uh, of life. Yeah, well, I I took his class though and failed miserably though. Oh, really? There is a down. Yeah. Well, the comic I did for it was was terribly. I mean, it wasn't his fault. I just I just. I, um, I was in a funk at the time, so the comic I made was pretty poor. But you know, well, part I of that funk for a few months. Part of I think the, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but part of the thing that folks get out of his courses is, um, not necessarily the finished product, but as much as the kind of look at at the work you're making and how you're making it. Yeah, all I got out of it was, well, not all I got out of it, but it just kind of re confirmed out how, how I, 
I was happy with how I was working. I would, mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was interesting to try a new way to work, but it just confirmed I I, I discovered and I'd already learned what worked best for me already, and it just reconfirmed that. It also c- confirmed I have an innate power to annoy the crap out of Frank Santora as well, <laughs> <laughs> without even trying. So yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. So that was fun. <laughs> Love you, Frank. Um, well, thank you, Oliver, for taking your time this evening uh, oh, to chat with me. Uh, I've really enjoyed talking to you, and uh, like I said, I really enjoy your work and excited to see kind of where it takes it, where you take it, and where it takes you. Um, I guess both statements kind of are really appropriate for your work. Um, reminder, folks, Oliver's uh, latest work is Homesick Truant. Uh, which I guess people can order directly from you now? Yeah, it's just oliverease.com. There we go. <coughs> as well as books from uh, the fine folks of Blank Slate, including Transurmint, uh, Berlin and That, uh, Swear Down, and what was the other one? There's one uh, more. Proper Go Well High. Proper Go Well High. Uh, thank you so much, Oliver. Oh, thanks for having me, man. It won't be long